0: Hey guys, it's Honey. Welcome back to Real Unfiltered Sex Talk with Honey. Yes, you may have noticed that I added a word to my title, unfiltered. I thought it was appropriate. I thought it would help people to understand before they even open my podcast to listen that it could be a little bit on the wild side. So... Anyway, (laughs) um, welcome back. So I told you that I was going to do a second part to age and sexuality, and I am, and that's why I'm here. So this probably won't be too long, but you know every time I say that, you know what happens. It ends up long. But I I really don't think it will be. It's really just a continuation of the last one. And um, I want to talk about uh, chronic pain and chronic illness and sex. So the last one talked about age, and I think I covered that pretty well. And age does not mean sex is over, uh, and and it shouldn't, and everybody should have a right to do whatever they want regardless of their age, right? Uh, if you want to hear that podcast, just go back to the last episode. But today I want to talk about chronic pain, chronic illness, and sex. I think that everybody, and when I say everybody, I don't mean, you know, like every single person out there. I just, I think a great majority of people assume that when chronic pain or chronic illness enters your life or your partner's life, that your sex life is going to be pretty much over. I talk to men all the time, and I am not exaggerating. Weekly, I talk to men who do not have a sex life um, because their uh, partner has chronic pain or chronic illness. It's very common. Um, now, there's there is nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to shame anybody or 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 anything. But but I want to talk about the fact that people stop. Having sex when they when chronic illness or chronic pain enter their life, and, and I think there's some misconceptions surrounding this, miscommunication surrounding this, and misconception. And I think that that happens with people on the outside looking in people people who are going about their life thinking, oh, you know, if something happened to me or my partner, and we became, you know, we we ended up in this category of people that that intimacy would be over. Um, and I also think that um, people within, that are actually living those lives think the same thing. Not everybody, you know, but I think it's very common to feel like it's over. And so that that's what I want to talk about because I don't agree. I don't agree. Surprise, surprise. Honey doesn't agree that sex should be over. Are you surprised? <laughs> so the first question I would ask you. What is sex? Like, if you had to define what sex is to you, what is sex? And, and this isn't a trick question. I really want you to just take a second and tell yourself what is sex. And I think, again, I think a majority of people are, are going to say sex is when a man and a woman have intercourse. You know, penis enters vagina. Um, you yeah, know, that would be a pretty common answer. I feel it's an inaccurate answer but I, but it would be common. Now, inaccurate. I just, I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I think that you can broaden your horizons. I think you can be open-minded and maybe you're not being open-minded if you believe that sex is the act of intercourse. Because to me, sex encompasses all things intimate. And so it's just for example, you know, 50, 60 years ago, back in the, um, well, I guess more like 70 years ago, probably back in the 50s and and further, when a man said, I'm going to make love to you, do you know that he just meant, he did not necessarily mean he was going to put his penis in her vagina, he meant he was going to be intimate with her, he, he wanted to snuggle her, he wanted to kiss her neck, he wanted to hold her hand, he wanted to hug her in more of a romantic intimate way go back and watch old movies and you will you will see you will see a couple do nothing more than maybe make out a little bit and the next day she will exclaim to her friend that he made love to her making love the the word that the you know the term making love has changed and now we hear making love and it's having sex And it's not. It's not. It shouldn't be. Making love is a romantic, intimate thing, act that you can do with somebody. It can be anything from holding and putting your lips on her neck and hugging her intimately to her her reciprocating all the way to the penis entering the vagina or oral. Everything in between. All of it is... It makes a person feel good, makes them, it, it creates all the hormones, uh, you know, endorphins, get going uh, that are created from, again, from anything all the way from flirting to flirting, flirting, not touching, flirting to actual sexual intercourse. You, you get those juices flowing. And, and I think that that, anything that gets your juices flowing is sex, is making love, is being intimate. And I think that people need to realize that and realize that a person in chronic pain or in a chronic illness, you may have somebody as a partner who has chronic illness or pain and think you can't touch them anymore because they're always in pain or they're always ill and you may not be the kind of people who have that open conversation to discover that maybe your partner actually still wants intimacy to whatever degree they can engage. But you don't talk about it. So many people are so, you know, pent up and and, and prudish. I don't like that word actually, but uh, shy or whatever, that they don't discuss these things. But it, so the first, the very first step is obviously communication and it always comes back to communication. But that's the very first thing you need to do. If if whether you're in a relationship that you haven't had sex in 15 years because of a chronic illness or pain or whether you it's on your horizon, you see it coming or, or, or whatever, you can have a conversation. And you can find out. Now, the person in chronic pain or illness may not be interested they may not even want you to hold their hand and and their level of intimacy everything that they need everything they gain that makes them feel good as far as what you do for them could be gotten from just you having your nightly meal with them and and spending time with them that could be all that your partner needs to feel connected to you but then again it could be that your partner needs more your partner may if you if you open the topic your partner might say something like you know it, it it wouldn't hurt for you to lay next to me and hold me and let's just see you know what what we can do to make each other feel better that that certainly wouldn't be a bad thing and you just don't know what what could, what you could accomplish you just don't know I mean, I'm not saying that you, you would have full on intercourse, you know, that, that seriously may be over for in your life, but there's so much more that you can do. There's so much more that you can do for each other to feel connected and feel intimate. So I think I've made my point. I told you this wasn't going to be long, um, I, I think that, that that really is just all I wanted to say. I don't think people communicate enough. I don't think that people have an open mind enough. I think they there's a lot of stigma and taboo around people with chronic illness and, and pain. Um, I think that people get bogged down in what society makes you think, and you don't look. You stop looking at your personal relationships as individual, unique relationships that just belong to you and nobody else and society cannot tell you how to have that relationship and nor should they you behind your closed doors you do what you want with your relationship and that is not going to happen unless you have open communication so that's the first step have have open communication open that door and talk to your partner or if you are the one with the chronic pain or illness you still talk to your partner it doesn't matter whether you're the one with the issues or you, your partner's the one with the issues. Either way, because sometimes it's, it, it, there are a lot of people who are suffering and they don't feel they can talk to their partner because their partner has shut them down from the start. Now, I am one of those people. I can recall. Now, fortunately, I never got into a chronic situation. Not Not really. I've had chronic situations and I do, but not to the extent that that I'm talking about. But but my partner and I had a discussion in the beginning about what if one of us ended up chronically ill or something. And he made it very clear to me that if I were chronically ill, he would have nothing to do with me sexually. That, and I told him, was upsetting to me because Even if I have a chronic illness or I'm in chronic pain, I am going to continue until my last breath to want intimacy on some level. Yeah, I may not be able to have intercourse anymore. I may not be able to do a lot, but I still want intimacy. And some people just don't agree with that. They just believe that the moment somebody's in chronic pain or chronic illness, that you need to leave them alone physically. Leave them alone. You are now their caretaker, or you're hiring their caretaker, and that part of your life is one hundred percent over. And that's just I, I just don't agree with that. And I feel, like I said, I think there's a lot of stigma attached to it. And I think you need to just get rid of it and have an open conversation. Everybody needs to feel good about who they are and embrace who they are and embrace who their partner is. And if you love each other and you're committed, you will make this work. Whatever that means. And it may mean it's over. It may mean it's over. But it may not and you're not communicating. So please communicate. Please talk about it. Please, please have that conversation. All right. That's all I wanted to say, guys. I do not know what my next podcast is going to be about I know I said I was going to do a non-sexual one. We'll see. <laughs> All right, guys. So I still have my Patreon. Although you guys don't seem too interested in it. Maybe someday, right? Um, I, I still have a few um, subscribers over there, though. So I will be putting my Erotic Bedtime stories there. I'm due, due, I am due to release another installment. I might do that tomorrow it will not be on this podcast like it was last week that was a gift that was a gift for you to show you what's happening over on patreon it will be on patreon only so if you want to hear the erotic bedtime stories you have to you have to pay 1 dollar guys and um and you'll get the the bedtime stories otherwise you can also donate to this um, podcast if you want to help me. If you enjoy the podcast and you want me to be able to keep doing it, please consider. There's a link in the bio. Please consider, um, you know, showing me your appreciation. And definitely like, follow, um, you know, do all that good stuff so I know you like it. Email me, guys. Uh, honeyshive62 at gmail.com. All of these things show me that you, you enjoy the podcast and that can't be wrong. (laughs) I like, I like being told that what I'm doing is a good thing. Go back and listen to my praise kink. I have a praise kink. Please praise me. Please praise me. You make me feel good. (laughs) All right, guys. Till next time. Bye-bye.